business leaders. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Friends with Employee Benefits and HR. So today's a bit of a continuation of last episode's topic, which was around the multi-generational workforce. And this time, we're really going to focus on uh, the, the youngest members of your, uh, of your your workforce, which are the younger millennials and then also even the, the Gen Zers who are now entering into the workforce. Um, so timely topic yet again, and uh, you should know that more than 66% of organizations have increased their benefit offerings to retain employees in the last 12 months, and that's according to SHRM. And more and more employers are looking to benefits to help them attract and retain top talent in a very tight marketplace. And so, so what benefits do these new generations uh, expect? What do they want as they're entering the workforce? That's really what we want to get a handle on uh, in today's episode. So we decided to go straight to the source. We actually have some millennials and a Gen Zer uh, who work here at One Digital, and we thought we'd invite them in to have a conversation uh, and hear straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak. So we've got uh, Kimmy Lawton. Max Irwin, Allie Davis, who are all millennials, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then Stephanie Hooper is Stephanie or a Gen Zer, yeah. Yep, correct. Okay. Like me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. You shouldn't have laughed so hard at that. Uh, anyway, so so we're, they're, they're here to tell us what the millennials really want from their benefit plans and from their employers in general. So guys, welcome to the podcast, and why don't you each kind of take a couple of seconds to explain what you do here at One Digital. Yeah, so I'm Kimmy Lawton. I am a client service specialist. And so I work on a team, help our clients with their day-to-day -day, um, service issues, clean issues, working on their technology, and a, a bunch of other things. Hi, my name is Stephanie Hooper, and I am also a client service specialist who do similar things that Kimmy does. We make sure that our clients Ben admin platforms are up to par and many other things as well. Hi, I'm Allie Davis. I'm also a client service specialist. And just like Kimmy and Stephanie, I'm there to support our clients to their day-to-day -day needs and just, you know, support our account managers here and consultants. And my name is Max Irwin. I'm a market specialist here at One Digital. I work on the market analyst team sending out requests for proposals, uh, taking in quotes and spreadsheeting those results for the consultants and account managers as well. All right, these are, these are our experts for the next half hour or so uh, on this subject. And so we'll, we'll dive right in. And I really, I'm really curious guys, like when you were out looking for, uh, looking for a place to start your career and to work, how important was something like company culture, the vibe that you were getting from that company as you were contemplating going to work? I think that was something that was pretty important to me. Um, company vibe is something you can kind of get right when you walk in the door of a business. Uh, I went on a lot of interviews after I graduated, both in Maine where I went to school and back here in Connecticut where I grew up. And there's a lot of different aspects to businesses. Even when you walk in the door and see the receptionist, just the greeting and how they treat you from the start can really affect your outlook on the job you're interviewing about to go into. Something that was big for me was all my friends had just graduated um, college as well. Someone that I knew, Kimmy Lawton here, um, also had already started at One Digital. And you're responsible? <laughs> <laughs> but having a lot of friends that had just graduated and starting new careers, you hear a lot of complaints. My job has this, has that. I don't like this, I don't like that. The hours suck. 
But every time I had talked to Kimmy, she was the exact opposite. She loved where she worked. She loved the people. She loved the collaboration. And that was something that really stood out to me that I wasn't expecting. It's not even like I was looking for it. It was just her honest, raw opinion. And that really intrigued me to look into One Digital. So I one that's important to understand then, you guys are talking to one another. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so you're asking friends who are already in the workforce, hey, what do you like where you work? What do you like about it? What do you not like about it? And word of mouth, just like with any product, is so, so important. And employers really need to understand that. And that's where the... That's really where the culture comes through, right? And any Max, what you know, you're saying, even in an interview, you can start picking up on the vibe, the culture that you're getting from that organization. Absolutely. You guys, you guys agree with that? Anybody else want to add to that? I like to say I came into this blind. I, I, you know, I didn't know anyone who worked for One Digital or in the industry of broker agency or any insurance as well. So, to me, once I came into to the interview, I felt like coming into the office. Everyone was open and talking and laughing. It wasn't like everyone was at their desk. They were getting up and, you know, having a quick chat. So it just made me feel like, you know, everyone was approachable here. And that's exactly what I was looking for in a company culture. All right, what about something like philanthropy, corporate giving? Was that important to any of you as well, that you work for a company that is giving back to the community? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I come from a city where giving is is valued. I came from Compton, California, so that's area that will need a lot of company like support. So, Stephanie, this is an interesting story because you are uh, you were raised in the West Coast yes. in California. Yeah. And you settled here in Connecticut, and uh, and a lot has been said about how people graduate from college in Connecticut and then they leave. Yeah. They were losing the, the the millennials and the Gen Zers to other states. But that didn't happen. So why? Why, why did you stay here? Um, for me, I think it was more so me trying to like tackle the world on my own for a chance and really see if I can survive and do like pretty much prove those people, you know, other people wrong. More so like the older generations that say that we're so quick to you know go back to our parents. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but <laughs> but, but also but, but you, you wouldn't have stayed in Connecticut if you didn't find the right fit for you too, though. Is that safe to say? Yeah. And so we're back to corporate culture and the fact that, you know, if we're competing against other employers, not just in the state of Connecticut, but in other states as well, employers really have to think about how important culture is to your generations, right, when you're deciding where to go to work. Back, back to the question about corporate giving and, and working for an organization that does give back to the community generously. Anybody else have any thoughts on that and whether or not that was a factor for you? Yeah, Jeff, I'd like to touch on that. I spend the majority of my hours here. The majority of my waking hours are at my place of work. So it's comforting to go to a place every day that, you know, instills these values of philanthropy and giving and trying to make a difference while I'm doing my job. It might not be uh, completely related to uh, helping someone with their health benefits, but um, we're able to, through our relationship with our clients, practice giving back. In addition to that, growing up, I remember doing most of my volunteer volunteerism through St. Catherine of Siena, our church, but you know it didn't stop there. Elementary schools, high schools, there's turkey trot events, there's 
canned fundraisers and coat drives. So that would have been pretty weird for me if um, that all of a sudden that just came to a halt and stopped because I think most of us grew up doing that. So it was just a seamless flow going from home and school to the workplace and those values kind of staying with me. Yeah, that's a clear contrast to, to be honest with you, to me and most in my generation is that the idea of volunteering wasn't that prominent when I was in high school. Like it wasn't like, okay, you know, that's got to be part of your resume, part of your college application. Like it was a little bit of it, but I, it seems to be much more ingrained in your generations that, uh, that a, a rich full life includes, includes that. And so I think you're all nodding your head saying, yeah, you know, we, it's important for us to work for an organization that embraces uh, that that volunteerism and giving back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So w- when you were when you were deciding on where to explore your uh, where to apply for a job, right? So what what stood out uh, out as a, a reason that you would want to apply somewhere? I think the industry um, definitely had an impact on what I was doing. I had no idea what industry I wanted to work in, but I knew I wanted something that was going to be fresh and continuous. I think the healthcare industry is something that's ever-changing. Um, so that was definitely a one factor that drew me to apply to this specific job. But in general, it was kind of the industry and the type of work that they do. Yeah, I think for me, um, that as well as seeing a path for myself within the company, because especially your first job out of college, like you don't want to be there for just a year or two. Like, you know, I'm looking to build my career and I want to start young. So going into a job where there's opportunity for me to move up and succeed, then that was super important to me, along with the culture. Do you, do you, so do you guys, and I guess this is just going to be, you know, conjecture or sort of a, a, a gut reaction, but do you think that maybe there's been a change from the older people within the millennial generation to, to you guys, the younger millennials, to the Gen Zers, because... Uh, according to, the, to a January 2018 report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the average person changes jobs 10 to 15 times in the course of their career, and that, that during their career, many workers spend five or five years or less in every job that they have. So, so it sounds like there's been a shift, because you're all saying you want longevity in one organization, and, and that's not what the stats have really shown over the last 20 years or so? Well, I think that I slightly disagree on going into a job at 23 and wanting to have a 20-year plan with them. I think that some of the reasons for, and I'm just speculating here, frequent job change with our generation. I think a lot more kids our age like to move. My parents, it was unheard of if you grew up in Connecticut for 80% of their friends to go to school out of state. It's so different now. People my age are growing up in Connecticut, going to school in Denver, and they want to stay out there till they're 27, 28 and work, and then come home to their family and kind of start the next chapter of their lives. Yeah. I don't think that really was much of an option or even this, this idea for the generations before us. I know for me, sometimes it's good to not get too comfortable somewhere when you're young. If you left a place in good standing, relationship both ways, I think that that speaks for itself. I think there's still opportunity for the employer and the employee later down the road. 
And that's great advice. What you're saying, we used to call that, you know, we used to don't, don't burn bridges. I don't know if you guys use that expression anymore. Absolutely. <laughs> don't burn bridges, right, Allie? So leaving good standing. And if you've done a good job and, 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 and you were a, a, a good employee and a valued employee, then th there's always a spot back. All right, so I, I do want to dig into benefits or what maybe you guys call perks and, and get your thoughts on what benefits were important to you as you were contemplating where you where you were going to go. So like was healthcare important to you or was more paid time off or student loan assistance or stuff like that uh, top of mind for you and looking for, for a job? I would say that when I was looking for a job, you know, for us coming out of college, you know, we're under 26, so most of us are still on our parents' insurance. So looking at healthcare benefits wasn't really important to me, but I'd say the number one benefit that I wanted in a job when I was looking is paid time off, making sure there, you know, was a significant amount of time that would allow me to have a good work-life balance. Um, and that being said, even having a flexible schedule, being able to work from home, I'd say that was probably the number one thing that I considered um, benefits-wise. Yeah, I think student loan repayment is definitely a big one. I mean, I can't, I don't think many people in our generation or the generation below us are getting out of um, college these days loan-free. So having a company that, like we said earlier, is strong from the top and is willing to work with you after a certain amount of service time to help alleviate some of those loan rep um, loans that you did take out during college. It's just obviously a huge perk that you can't really pass up given the opportunity. Does an overall well-being program, was that attractive to you as well? Uh, starting your career well-being, like maybe gym reimbursement or incentives for getting uh, you know, your annual physicals or stuff like that? I just submitted a form that said that I went to a dental, had a routine dental cleanup, and I went because I heard I could get $150 just direct deposit for going and submitting this form that said I went to a preventative care visit, and then I got my teeth cleaned. I hadn't been in a year, but there was a little motivation to go, and it was so easy, and the visit is free, so it's like a no-brainer, Allie. I wanted to go back to what Matt said about student loan repayment. So obviously that would be like the best benefit for any of us to receive, oh, yeah. you know, because we're all coming out of school with loans. But if that's something that an employer can't offer, then helping us save money is another option because because we're paying off our loans, we can't save as much money towards our 401k or towards, say, an HSI. So if an employer is able to fund more into our 401k, so that way we can focus on paying off our loans quicker, then I'd say even that would be a great benefit to have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would say that was one of the top benefits that I was looking for was my 401k matching. So if you match whatever I put in, that's yeah. great because that's going to like benefit me in the long run. I think so this me. is going to be, this is informative because uh, I think there are people who assume that, oh, you know what, the kid's coming right out of school right now. I really don't care about a 401k because they don't have money to put into it, right? But you're saying, no, that that was an important benefit for, for your employer to offer. Yeah, I think that you're right. A lot of kids out of college don't think about their 401k. You know, when they wait years and years and years to start contributing, it's like, uh-oh, I don't have any money mm -hmm. in there. Um, and yeah, so I think maybe our generation has started to come back around where we realize that it is important to start saving for retirement and through a 401k is a great way. Yeah. I think it's still split though. Some people think like, you know, I have other things I have to pay for, so I don't want to contribute to my 401k because that's taking so much of my income. Yeah. Yeah.
That's a good point because when we go to school, like in high school and college, we didn't learn about benefits. Like, it's not like we were taught like, okay, this is what you should be offered, you know? So it's, and what your benefits actually do for you. Like, we don't know all that stuff. Be so really it's up good. to our employers to help us learn all about it. And the crazy thing is I actually had a relative sit me down to educate me on benefits and what I should, you know, go for to help me in the future. I didn't know anything when I was applying or I couldn't understand anything that was in the benefit package. I had to have someone sit down and talk to me about it and actually break everything down so I understand what I you know what I'm applying to and what I'm enrolling in. So I, I was actually gonna get to that and so we'll go there now is where 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 was the world of benefits and the choices that you had to make, was that intimidating to you? Was Absolutely. it was it confusing, scary? Uh, and then if it was to you, do you have friends now? coming to you who say, hey, you know what, they were in the benefits looking for your advice. So are, are your friends experiencing that as well as they enter the workforce and have to understand this world of benefits that they never had to understand before? And there was never a class in college, Kimmy, you're right, to teach you about it. Yeah, I have friends. They don't even contribute to certain things or know about them because they don't even read the enrollment package. They just mm -hmm. go straight to like declining the coverage because it's just so much that they have to read and they don't understand it. They they still don't really utilize the benefits they have. They only know about PTO. They didn't feel like any other benefit was actually beneficial to them at the time being. Yeah, and that, but it could be we're back to a lot of them are still under age 26 and maybe on their parents' plan as well. You are expecting and needing your employer or prospective employer to communicate with you really well and really effectively and continuously about the benefits so that you understand them, you know what you have, and you can leverage them and maximize them. And so, so let's talk about recruiting for a second. Where were you guys looking for work when you were in the job hunt? I went to a career fair at Central, Central Connecticut State University where I went. And you know, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I graduated with a finance degree. And this was like three months before graduation. And I was kind of just hopping around to all the booths, seeing what was available. And the number one thing for me was just having a connection with the person and being able to relate to them. And again, going back to company culture, the vibe of where you're looking to go. So career fairs, what about online? Were you, were you looking online at all? Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, I think Glassdoor as well. That's definitely something where, I mean, we're a very technical uh, generation, so we're all online. And Glassdoor, you can leave reviews on companies and like past employees leave their reviews on their experience working there. I think that was something that I always looked at going into an interview just to get a little background about the company prior to and just kind of seeing what people who had worked there in the past and currently had to say about their employer and what it was like to work there. It is pretty amazing how you can go on, we're talking about Glassdoor and Indeed, put in a, a city you're interested in working in, a general field, salary, you know, not exact, and it'll generate 50 to 400 job opportunities. I found that pretty helpful in my job search. It made it pretty easy for me to apply. You put, you upload one resume and one generic application and you could just apply it to like 10 different job applications. But if you've got, if a hundred opportunities popped up based on your search criteria, you didn't want to apply to all 100. No way. So, so what was it that made you to decide to apply where you applied? What were those sort of really the deciding factors? Somewhere that seemed like 
we've talked about like I had a strong culture somewhere that it seemed like we had a career path opportunity. If, let me ask if, if the reviews on Glassdoor are less than positive, would you apply to a place where the reviews are less than positive in general? If a former employee has something bad to say about their former employer, it's not necessarily surprising, but if there's consistency in those kind of reviews, then it's got to be telling you something. Yeah. And that's not positive. Yeah, I right. agree. <laughs> so you would, Max, apply to a place where there's consistent negative reviews. Yeah, no, that. definitely not. Yeah. So you're saying employers should really be paying attention to their online presence. To, Absolutely. To their online presence. Yes. Mm -hmm. Especially for our generation. Because, like you said, we're all technology. And if there's something bad written about you out there, we're probably going to see it. Right. Or you have to at least assume we're going to see it. Yeah. I think still word of mouth like we were talking about before is huge though because you were just saying that you felt confident and excited to apply to one digital and go through the interview process because of what you heard from kimmy not necessarily a one digital ad popped up on your indeed that day or anything no you're right it was word of mouth definitely i hadn't even looked into the benefits industry i hadn't applied for any jobs similar to the job i'm in now um it was really just hearing kimmy speak to the magnitude that how much she loved her job. And I didn't hear anyone else even saying that they liked their job, to be honest. Not to plug One Digital again, but that blurb in their application was very like, we want a hardworking, good person first. Then let's work together and do this role. It seemed more inviting. It opened up a conversation. Okay, I might not meet every single bullet point on their list, but they're not saying, don't apply, don't look at us. It was a very inviting application. And I, and I noticed that from the 10, 15 jobs that I applied to. Some were check the box, kind of leave me alone if you can't do these things. And the ones that got my attention or the ones that I got excited about, the ones I prepped more for, were definitely the ones where it felt like we're looking for people first. So employers could, could, could scare potentially really great employees away from even applying if their application process is intimidating or you've got, you, you, you've got three pages of bullet pointed, you know, requirements and all that. Is that, is that what you're saying? How much healthcare industry experience could a 21 year old graduate actually have <laughs> for an entry level position? Wait, I mean, second. that's, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> If we're just being completely so honest, yeah. I That's mean, so unless you're going into a job where like you're going into engineering, sure. you have to have an engineering of course. degree. Yes. Sure. You know, there are a lot of jobs out there like ours where if you know they are, they're hiring for the person, it not couldn't necessarily be a job. Right. Max, how do you feel about this? And I and I ask because to be candid, I think that studies have shown that there are some gender differences in determining whether or not you you'll apply for a job women are more likely to, if they don't meet, if, if there's a laundry list of criteria and you don't meet 100% of those criteria, you're like, all right, I can't apply for that. Whereas guys are generally more apt to be like, ah, screw it, I'll, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> I mean, yeah, when I was looking for a job, you definitely see a lot of different job postings with lots of different duties, responsibilities, experience requirements. It's kind of like a apply now, figure it out later mentality where if you know you're a hard worker, you've had jobs in the past, I don't think anyone goes into any industry having a ton of experience, but you just kind of got to figure it out. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. Wayne Gretzky said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. No, that's right. Everyone sees millennials, or not everyone, but some people see millennials as not hard workers. 
you know, and they think like, oh, well, they rely on technology so much Social and they're just so zoned into like social media and whatnot and that they're not hard workers. But I think that employers, you know, trying to recognize that. So when you are putting a job posting out there, don't focus so much on the laundry list of criteria. It's more about the person that you're hiring because once you meet the person and they apply and you, you have an interview with them, that's when you're going to know like, okay, is this person a hard worker? You're going to hopefully be able to tell in the interview if they're going to be able to do the job. So talk to me a little bit about, uh, about social media and prospective employers. And so do you go on to a prospective employers, Facebook page or Instagram or LinkedIn? And, and is that important as employers are trying to recruit talent to have a presence out there in social media and how they present themselves in their social media profiles? I'd say so. Social media is probably our number one source of information point. And I think they teach you a lot in school that you need to know the company that you're going to interview at. So I think that we do take a lot of steps to research these companies prior to interviewing and your presence on the social media and all those other places are definitely going to sway our opinion going in. And, and because you all agreed that culture and vibe is important that an organization has to be portraying that vibe, yeah. that vibe, that culture through their social media. Yeah, is that what you were going to say? I was just going to say that I usually go to like social media platforms to see the culture of a company. I want to see like, what do they do on a day-to-day basis? Where do they go for like, you know, team bonding or, you know, things like that. Yeah. What about money? So how important is salary? It's all about the money. <laughs> <laughs> I need a living wage. I think definitely speaking to like the fact that we are under 26, some of us are on our parents' insurance, whatever it may be. Um, I think compensation is definitely something to consider because in some jobs you get that nice benefits package that can really make up for some of your salary. But when you don't need that, maybe at a younger age, like we are now, you're kind of thinking maybe I should be compensated a little heavier so I can do things like repay, uh, repay my student loans and um, pay off some debt. Pay off some debt. Would you ever though contemplate making a little bit less because you found a place that has the best culture and it's offering a little bit more of some of those other perks and fringe benefits and is going to give you that, you know, you guys mentioned a few things, number one, work-life balance, right? Uh, number two, being happy at work. Okay. And I'll be honest like that, you know, when I was, when I was in my twenties and looking to start a career, you know, it didn't even occur to me that I could be or should expect to be happy at work. <laughs> right. So could, could you sacrifice a little bit of money for happiness? For quality? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think definitely, um, not dreading coming into work every day is something worth taking a little less money for yeah. being excited about the work you're doing is like, you can't find that everywhere. And I think a lot of people in our generation haven't found that they're not in a career that they are thriving in, that they love, that they're passionate about. So I think finding that fit in some job or industry that you love is definitely worth taking a little less compensation in the end. Yeah. Anybody disagree with that? I totally sacrifice some pay for coming to work Monday through Friday and enjoying it. Yeah. Now we shouldn't confuse that with, uh, Kimmy, you were talking earlier about, about, um, we shouldn't confuse your generation for being one that doesn't work hard enough. So while work-life balance is important and being happy, you're, you're still hard workers, right? But, but it's what's motivating you to work hard is what's important. 
right? Did I put words in your mouth or, or is that is that kind of how you feel? If we're put in a position where, you know, we're doing something that we love and we love who we're working with doing it, then pay doesn't really matter, mm. at least as much. Yeah, I think that goes back to Allie's point about you spend most of your waking right. hours at your job. So you got to enjoy like it. it. You got to yeah. like it. You got to like the people you're around. You got to like the job you're in. All right, let's shift gears a little bit. Talk a little bit about feedback or performance reviews. Do you have any any thoughts on, on how that should go? What's the best way to give feedback? We used to live in a world where uh, everybody got a performance review once a year. There was an annual performance How's that sit with you guys? Is that does that sound like the ideal way to do it, or I can't believe that performance once a year performance reviews were actually are even a thing. Honestly, like <laughs> I've never experienced that just because we're so new to the workforce. But thinking about that just doesn't even make sense to me. Like, why wouldn't you tell me something I can improve on right away rather than wait a year to tell me that? You know? Yeah, and it took it took corporate America a long time to, to realize to, that. To kind of figure it out. <laughs> so you guys are fortunate coming in when. When, when you did, but you want feedback, you know, right? You want constructive feedback. You want it frequent and you want it to be timely, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. Especially because we're so new to the job. It's like, we don't want to screw up. We want to be told, like, if we are screwing up, tell us. Like, we want to do the best we can and learn from our mistakes. Feedback going Kimmy to I, back and forth, that's, that's easy. We're the same level, same age, we're friends. I think that frequent, continuous feedback from your manager or the person above you is really valuable too because it builds a more secure, comfortable relationship. I can't imagine sitting down with my manager once a year and doing this very formal review of my year's work when we could just be building this open lines of communication, comfortable relationship every two weeks or every month, I think that only helps us all be on the same page mm-hmm. all the time yeah. and be more comfortable with each other and speaking up. Yes, so what, So you talked about peer-to-peer, but also, you know, manager down feedback, Allie, but what about being able, what about, is it important for you to be in a culture where you feel comfortable that you could actually give feedback up that, that you know, so-called ladder? Yeah, I think it is super important. and. You could grow confidence by practicing that. Doing it once a year, it's going to feel awful and uncomfortable, and you're going to just, you're going to swallow everything and go, "Mm, it's not even worth it. I'm not going to tell her how I feel. I'm not going to express, maybe this is a weakness. I need a little help in this area. Can I get some support? If you did that biweekly or monthly, I think it would get easier. And I think most managers would want to know how their employees are doing and feeling and only want to equip them with the tools to be, to be more productive each day. Yeah. Do you think, so do you think a good manager or supervisor would actually be then soliciting feedback from their team? I was going to say, yeah, it's important for the manager to also be able, you know, want to hear what the employee has to say. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just, you know, how, how are you doing? It's how am I doing as a manager? Like, what can I do to help you? You know, what can we do to build this relationship and, you know, have you gain a sense of trust that I'm here, you know, to help you succeed. So universally you're saying communication, feedback, you know, uh, in all directions is really important. It's important that it's happening all the time, continuously, uh, uh, and, and in the moment, right? You know, don't, don't, you know, don't wait, Three, four, five months. If you know, if we come out of a meeting 
and there's feedback to give, let's give that feedback in the car ride on the way back to the office. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's going to be much more effective that. And that's part of a, a good culture is yeah. having that continuous and honest feedback. All right, so I, we sort of alluded, I think, to well, more than alluded to the fact that you're a technology generation. And so let's talk about, and, and, but we also talked about that you need or you expect or want your employer to be communicating with you frequently also about your benefits and educating you on what, what's available to you and so forth. What's the best way for your employer to be communicating to you about benefits in particular? I would say technology, man. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of led the witness there, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. What do you mean? Do, 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 I don't know. Easy you walk process. by my workstation, you might see a pile of paper, you know? Yeah. You guys know, right? I mean, you're, you're more or less paperless, yeah? Yeah, yeah. paperless is the way to go for yeah. everything. If the HR team at a, a company has a resource that can help, you know, someone go through their open enrollment process that provides examples, it'll make it easier for that person to take the pressure and the stress off of them as well. Because oftentimes people my age, we don't really know about benefits. So having an example to go off of, we can put ourselves in that situation so that we can understand if that benefit that we're electing is the best for us. Because we really don't know. This is our first, you know, go round in selecting our benefits. You think it's easier for you to, to, to but, but that would be better coming electronically absolutely digitally absolutely. than it would be in some booklet or in-person meetings i was going to say technology has so many more opportunities to be able to educate your employees so a piece of paper is going to exactly to your point say words but technology might have the option to include videos include examples and be able to actually educate the employee on what they're being offered and i think especially for us coming out of college like i said earlier we don't know about benefits we were never taught this stuff so you know, being provided something, a resource that helps us learn about them is I, so ideal. And it's not even just our generation. I mean, working with our clients here, I see it with other generations too. Go to an open enrollment meeting, people are like, huh, what's a deductible? It's like, it's so important to help your employees understand their benefits, not regardless of their generation. When I think about millennials and technology, I think that the idea that maybe we're lazy or something comes into play because we expect or want everything at our fingertips. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I mean, we need to learn, we need to be patient, but I think we like the easiness of pulling out a phone and checking a text messages. It's efficient, it's quicker, we're comfortable like that. It's not that we're lazy, we want the quickest process. So when it comes to enrolling in benefits, yeah, technology provides the most efficient, quickest platform to get something done. It's the quickest way to learn about it, get educated on your benefits, and elect them versus reading a 30-page enrollment guide and <laughs> filling out a bubble sheet and like and licking an, an envelope and mailing it in. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just like, let's do this quickly. Let's get all the information. Let's do it right. We're not lazy. We're just... The we, world is evolving. We want to do things. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, like... Yeah. I, I think so there, there's actually a, a senior benefit analyst here. I won't name his name, but he's somewhat he's sort of tongue in cheek says, well, his greatest quality is that he's lazy. And of course he's not lazy, but what he means is he's always looking to find a way to do something more efficient. He's using technology, 
using Excel, you know, creating a better formula or better lookups or whatever, whatever you guys are doing over there in that, <laughs> that dark corner of our office building. The, the number corner. <laughs> Splitting the atom, I don't know. What Right, but but he but it's not laziness, it's efficiency, and it's it's cutting out waste. So what else? What else do you millennials want to and Gen Zers? Sorry, Stephanie, want to want to <laughs> talk about? What else is important to you guys? I think we should talk about mental health. That's one of the topics that's trending right now, and oftentimes a lot of companies they don't really look into their their employees' mental health, but it does play a, a huge factor in their productivity in the the workforce. I didn't really think about this when you asked the question before, you know, what kind of benefits were you looking for when applying to a job? And now that I think about it, an EAP is truly a benefit that is, you know, should be in place at every employer because um, especially for us, you know, we're new to the workforce, we're gonna be, you know, questioning ourselves and gonna need some help from someone and having a service um, that you can provide to your employees such as an EAP gives them an outlet to talk to someone other than their manager, a coworker, or even their family. It just gives them, you know, a stranger to talk to and just tell them, you know, how you're feeling. And I think that's really beneficial. EAPs are traditionally, I think, an underutilized benefit, uh, maybe because they're under-communicated. Uh, uh, but do you feel like as millennials and Gen Zers, you're more apt to take advantage of a benefit like that, right? I think that our generation too are more comfortable with being, with the idea of going to talk to a therapist or getting some mental health help. I think that our generation might actually be ahead of that curve. It might be the, be the generations above us that might need a push on EAP util, utilization. That's what my gut tells me, and so uh, <laughs> may see yeah. more utilized as our generation comes into the workforce. Right, more. And, I, and I hope it is. I think that's a really, really good thing that we we have that awareness and break through any stigmas that might be out there around utilizing a benefit like that or, or getting therapy. So, and 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 on that note, I mean, I think the big takeaway for for me and the way to sum up this conversation um, is to say that culture, for all of you, agree. Culture is really important, organizational culture, right? The vibe that you get and that you all want it to work for an organization that has a culture that's, that's supportive, that's communicative, transparent, and that's caring. And that demonstrates that they care about you by providing a robust, uh, a robust benefits package and continuous, uh, uh, continuous feedback as well. All right, so, uh, so great job, guys. Thank you again. And before we let you go, we always have to get to know our guests a little bit better, a little more personally. So we're gonna do some rapid fire questions. We're gonna go around. Each question will just kind of go around all four of you and then go to question number two. Make sense? So, uh, so, so chocolate or vanilla ice cream? Chocolate. Vanilla. Vanilla. Chocolate. High score. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite movie? Uh, I don't watch much movies, but Mamma Mia. In all of Tyler Perry movies. School of Rock. The Dark Knight. Oh, That's a good one. Can't change your answers. No answer envy here. Would you rather be able to fly or be invisible? Fly. Be invisible. Fly. Definitely fly. If you weren't doing what you do now, what would you be doing? Well, I love working out, so probably a personal trainer. I'd like to be a ballet dancer 
never did ballet in my life, but that's something I dreamed of doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, a nurse. I think I would probably be an architect. All right, awesome. And finally, what is the number one thing employers should take away from this episode? Hmm. I would say taking a look at your benefits package directed towards millennials. So not looking at the medical benefits, looking at a student loan repayment benefit or some way that you can help us, you know, pay off our loans or help us save money because, you know, that's what we're most worrying about at this point. And I think employers need to have a really good internal communication presence. So they need to make sure that they have constant year-round benefit reminders. So I didn't mention this before, but I did start here as an intern. And I think that the amount of time and resources a company puts into their internships, they should start viewing that as a valuable retention and recruiting strategy. And my biggest takeaway was knowing your outside presence as a company, uh, make your workplace appealing to the outside eye. Like uh, we touched on a lot, we're very much on, in the technological space. Um, being able to apply with ease, not lengthy application that's repetitive, um, that's really going to turn people away. Make sure you know what you're putting out there um, under your duties and experience. Kids coming out of college, being 22, having five years of experience in an industry like we touched on earlier, for an entry-level position, it's just not realistic. Especially if you want to break ground in that industry, it's going to deter a lot of people if they see that five years or whatever it may be. And you don't want to deter people before they even give you a chance. And lastly, just get to know people in their interview. Give them a call on the phone. At least give them a chance. Don't judge them based off the piece of paper they submit to you. Um, that can really leave people out wondering why they weren't enough or what they, you didn't see in them. Uh, and I think just even giving them a call to say why you went in a different direction or why you're pursuing other candidates or what they can do to stand out next time can really go a long way. All right, awesome, guys. Kimmy, Stephanie. Allie, Max, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. I think it was a lot of fun, but also I'm sure very informative for our audience. Listen, for more information on tailoring your benefits package to meet the demands of the marketplace and the different generations in your workforce, connect with your local One Digital team. We can help you out. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. And of course, as always, make sure that you subscribe to our podcast. Uh, you always want to be the first one to know when the next episode drops. You never want to miss an episode. So su subscribe now. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Jeff Cross, and this has been another episode of Friends with Employee Benefits and HR.